Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Welcome to the program. Please enjoy this clip from 1980 for this first part of Our God is the God of Elijah. In 2 Kings 2, starting at verse 6, Elijah said unto him, that is Elisha, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. Now we're approaching this differently tonight than the types that we have given in past years about Bethel, Jericho, and Jordan. But we want you to see it tonight in relationship to Elijah and his God, then Elisha and Elijah, and then finally Elisha and his God. Because Elisha's God was only what he could receive from Elijah until God removed Elijah and made him to know Elijah's God. It was very beautiful that Elijah knew God. It was very sacred that he followed the God that he knew and trusted him and stepped out alone with God. And Elisha beautifully followed that very faithfully. And he refused to be separated from the man that followed God and then he said, I pray thee that you'll stay here. God has sent me to Jordan. He didn't say that God has sent you to Jordan. He said he sent me. He knew where God sent him, but he didn't use that to direct others in the same pathway. Why? He wanted them to know God so that God could send them too. And that's an important thing because it's beautiful for us to give God's vision. It's even more beautiful when it becomes your vision. It's great that it's my vision, but when God's vision becomes my vision, then God's vision becomes your vision, then we operate in God's vision for us. And that brings us into the unifying purpose where we're caught away from our own goals, our own aims, our own ambitions, and we actually lose sight of what we want in life. We really do. And we're really caught up with what he's doing and what he wants through the words that he speaks, present tense, to us. Elijah never legislated to Elijah. He never tried to make Elijah like him. He just followed God. I want you to think of the deep simplicity of learning to follow God simply because he's God. And the story reveals one singular thought. An individual that will follow God doesn't have to worry about who follows God. Because Elijah, who will follow God, doesn't have to legislate to Elisha. Elisha is not his problem. Elijah, who is following God, doesn't have to worry about Elisha. He doesn't talk Elisha into anything. He doesn't tell Elisha what he should do. Or what he shouldn't do. But he faithfully follows God. And Elisha sees it. Senses it. And begins to have the God of Elijah revealed through Elijah. Without Elijah in any way imposing his particular concepts and interpretations upon Elisha. It becomes advantageous instead of bondage. He becomes salt instead of a negative testimony. It becomes life instead of religion. So many people worry so frequently about how somebody's following God. May I say it lovingly and in brokenness. It's none of our business. 
at what rate a person follows God and how God leads them to follow him is God's business. And furthermore, if we were occupied with just following God the right way for ourselves, then we'd have all kinds of Elishas which would be attracted at that kind of holy liberty, glorious option, and grand privilege. Elijah says, God has sent me to Jordan. He didn't say you ought to go. He said, God has sent me. Then he was very considerate. He said, stay here or tarry here, I pray thee. If Elisha was going to go to Jordan with Elijah, he'd have to hear it from God and make a step of faith. Elijah would not tell him to. And that was beautiful. Elijah was trusting God for Elisha. And Elisha was trusting the God of Elijah. And something was going on in terms of following Christ. It was all God. It was not man. And God had a way of developing a capacity in Elisha through the beautiful simple of obedience of Elijah without any comparison or any condemnation just because Elijah responded to his God. And that would create in Elisha a desire to discover his God. That's what Christianity is all about. And in John, the 20th chapter, the 21st chapter, rather, when Peter was concerned about John, Jesus said, that's none of your business. What will happen to John will happen to John, but you follow me. And the whole principle is following Jesus Christ in John 8:12, who is light, so that our life will not be deceived by darkness. We must never let anything interfere in following Christ. And I want you to see something that to believe is to commit. And to really believe is to abandon every single thing that doesn't complement the commitment. To believe is to commit to Christ. And that includes abandoning the abandonment of everything that doesn't make that commitment plain and the yoke easy to follow Christ. Jordan, and then the two went on. Because Elisha said, As my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And the fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood on in to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. But they could never get over it. They could never get over the Jordan. They always had to view afar off. They were sons of the prophets. But as sons of the prophets, they never made any personal discovery as to who God is. Their relationship was never really, truly a personal adventure. They had never been motivated and quickened for themselves, individually, by their God. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it up together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so they too went over on dry ground. He said in verse 6, God has sent me to Jordan. And then he used the mantle that he had to perform a miracle and to get over the Jordan on dry ground. It came to pass that when they were gone over, Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. You said you would never leave me nor forsake me. You were going to go with me everywhere I went. Why was Elisha so determined to follow Elijah? 
because he was after Elijah's God and he was fervent in his spirit, earnest in his quest. And then when Elijah said, what can I do for thee because I'm going to be taken from thee? He immediately said, I want a double portion of the spirit that's upon you. And the thing that makes that request so beautiful, it was a daring request. It would have been one thing to have asked for the portion that Elijah had. But he wanted twice as much as Elijah had. He was getting to know Elijah's God. Would Elijah, when he was taken away, would his mantle fall upon Elijah and Elijah have more than Elijah had? The one that he followed? The one that took the initiative by faith? The one that was so used of God? Yes. He dared to believe, because he got to know Elijah's God, that he could get a double portion from Elijah's God and get blessed more, if you want to put it that way, than Elijah. That was bold, daring, and it just revealed the kind of God that Elijah revealed to him. And it's a very vital thing when we reveal to those that follow our personal God until they get to know him for themselves. It's very special when we reveal him in such a way that they can be blessed beyond what we're blessed and get double what we've got. That's, that's revealing him as a God of grace, a God of love, a God that gives. And then he goes on. And in verse 11, And it came to pass as they still went on and talked. Then behold, there appeared chariots of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind unto heaven. And Elisha saw it. And notice the conditions in which Elisha saw it. He was going on with Elijah talking with him, walking with him. He saw what happened to Elijah by Elijah's God. He realized that what happened to Elijah was happening by the God of Elijah. Walking together, agreeing, fellowshipping, trusting, just going on. And this is the beautiful thing about God. The Christian life, we walk together with God. We talk together about God. We go on together with God. Just a simple Beautiful, humble, childlike relationship with each other, discovering God. Then Elijah was taken up. The chariots of fire came by a whirlwind. And Elisha saw it. The people that walk and talk with those that follow God can see the things that God does for those that follow him. Those that take steps of faith, you're able to see it. Those that adventure into the unknown mysteries of darkness and the unknown mysteries of life and penetrate into its depths as you walk and fellowship and talk, you begin to see how their God operates with them, what he does to bless them, how he gets them through the fires and gets them through the furnaces. You talk about it, walk with them, and go on with them and, and, and fellowship into their new adventures, but hand in hand you go with them. And more and more you're getting to know their God. But wait a minute. What happens when God takes what happens? Then all of a sudden you realize he's your God too. The Jordan is right before you, but Elijah's, Elijah's gone. But there's the Jordan. It won't be Elijah this time that will take his mantle and divide the waters. God has got you alone to face the Jordan with him, without your Elijah. Has Elijah's God become yours? Is your life personal? Have you made a personal discovery? Are you willing to go forward with a personal adventure? Are you viewing afar off? Are the words that Christ speaks unto a spirit, God, consciousness, and life, 
the imparted nature of God. As the story goes on, in verse 12, And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, but he took a hold of his own chariots, or clothes rather, and rent them in two pieces. He cried. He was deeply moved emotionally. And there are so many things that's going to happen to our lives as we walk and talk and adventure and still go on. I hope you can catch the tensity of this anointing and not be distracted by the familiarity of fleshly emotions. As we still go on, just plain, still go on. There's so much in those words. There's so much manhood in it. There's so much character to it. There's so much stewardship in it. There's so much uh, soldier attitude in it. Morning, noon, and night, week after week, month after month, still go on. Still go on. And this is the beautiful principle of getting to know God. These people that run around and get bored and want to race here and run up, they don't know how to settle down and still go on. They walked, they talked, and they went together. Onward to the next thing, the next situation, the next adventure, the new discovery. But wait a minute, Elijah, it's taking you into a tremendous dimension. You're going to be taken up. God wants you up there. But he's going to give Elisha a double portion to still go on. You will not be left with it. I can't for, for the life of me understand how for even a moment there would ever be lacking within our walk in fellowship with God, the very thrill of inspiration, the very revelation of oneness from him, the very beautiful thing pertaining to adventure, as we just go on to the new soul, the new thing we're doing, the new thing that God wants, just plain go on. We don't look back. We don't go back. We walk, we talk, and we go on. We're not going to let anything stifle us and to become a God in itself. We're not going to let wilderness wanderings in any way cripple our desire innately to become like him as we still go on. And now Elijah goes up. And as he goes up, Elisha weeps. It was a very intense relationship. Very beautiful. He took his clothes and rent them in two pieces. And that simply meant this. He asked for a double portion. He wanted twice as much as Elijah got. He walked with Elijah's God and now he became his God. Renting his clothes in two pieces meant that he wanted the very double portion of God as garments to clothe his nakedness, to empower his soul and body and spirit. And now, first it's Elijah, then it's Elijah's God, and then it's God without Elijah. He's growing. And that's the purpose of Christianity. To come to the place where I can walk up to the Jordan with my God. That doesn't mean that I'm independent of others. But I walk up to the Jordan alone with God and I say, Lord, I trust you. I like this adventure. I know you. I've got your garments. I'm clothed with your power. I've got the mantle. I'm ready. Thank God for Elijah. But I'm ready. You're my God. I'm thankful for all that he revealed, but you're my God. And I'm going to take the mantle. And I'm not viewing afar off. And I'm going to use it to get over the Jordan River supernaturally. I'm going to be able to face all the things and do all the things that you want me to do, Lord. We're going to adventure together, walk together, and still go on 
and a double portion of power because of grace and because of how you're revealed to me. Grace always is revealed to every succeeding generation more than it was before. It's the same beautiful grace, but it's revealed more. And Elisha will get more understanding and more grace because of the beautiful way he followed first Elijah, then Elijah and his God, and now God without Elijah. And in the story, we see that it isn't you must go over Jordan, but you will go over Jordan. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell upon him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell up from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were viewed in Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And, the, and because of the God of Elisha, the sons of the prophets are getting close. They come closer and closer. They're not viewing afar off. Humbly, they are constrained by the God of Elisha to come close and to bow themselves because they saw his God. What a beautiful illustration of how God wants it to be with men, women, families, pastors, and how the God of Elijah becomes the God of Elisha, and then he attracts the sons of the prophets who are viewing the far off, and now they come right up close. And the Lord Jesus Christ, in this very vital age, wants more than one person to know the God of Elijah, the God of love, the God of miracles, the God of power, the God of Bethel, the God of Jericho, the God of Jordan, the God that could do anything. And our churches tonight, individuals tonight, need this kind of a personal God. When you cross over that Jordan, you find out, Elisha, who your God really is. If it works, then he's Elijah's God. If it doesn't, he isn't. But it works. And you'll discover when temptation comes who your God is. You'll discover in your new adventure who your God is. You'll discover as you stand before the Jordan River, which is impossible by natural means to cross over, who your God is. And I'll discover as I go through my next adventure with God who my God is. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Elijah. You discover for your marriage, if you're willing to be true to God and say, though he slay me, I will trust him in Job 13:15. If you're willing to commit your marriage to God and not to your mate, you'll discover sooner or later, you'll discover who your God is. He's the God of Elijah that parteth the Jordan River. He's the God that has a mantle that falls upon you. And in your hands, in your situation, it's a mantle of power, a mantle that can divide the impossible river so you can cross over on dry land. And so those that may be religious but do not know God near, but only afar off will come and say, God healed the marriage and I'm going to bow down at that kind of a God. God delivered that person from alcohol and I want to bow down to that God. God delivered that person from love 
lust and slothfulness, and I want to discover that God, and I'm going to follow that person until that God becomes my God, and then I'll have my God, which is their God, without having to have them. And that's exactly what this story is all about. When we live in defeat and decline, we're not following the God of Elijah. We're following the God that isn't powerful, the God that isn't unconditional in love, the God that doesn't have eternal grace, the God that doesn't have joy unspeakable. We're following a God of our imaginations, a God of our theories, a God of knowledge. We're following this kind of a God, but it's not the God of Elijah in which we walk and talk and still go on and give us the furnace, give us the jail at midnight, give us the persecutors, give us the incompatible situations, but we will go on because we have our God and he's Jesus Christ for us personally. And we should say to Jesus tonight, as Elisha said to Elijah, we should say, listen, Lord Jesus. The Lord said, listen, you don't have to come with me in this new trial. If you want to forsake your partner, go ahead. I won't say any, I won't condemn you. Go ahead. But we should say, Lord Jesus, as my soul liveth, I want to go on into this next trial in my marriage. And I'm going to be your woman and your man. And as my soul liveth, God, as my soul liveth, I'm not going to forsake you as I face the next trial, the next test. As my soul liveth, Lord, as a pastor, as a missionary, as a team member, as my soul liveth. Lord, you're going on to Bethel, then you're going to Jericho, then you're going to the Jordan River of Death, as my soul liveth. It's going to take supernatural power at Jordan, as my soul liveth, Lord as a pastor and team member, as a student at the Stevens School of the Bible, as my soul liveth as a high school student, as my soul liveth, Lord, I'm, I may be free, but I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to forsake you. You've invested eternal life in me. You've shed your blood for me. You've given it all for me. As my soul liveth, I will not forsake you. We're going to still go on. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. I love that principle. As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And isn't that the dogmatic attitude that we receive from God? We see it throughout promises in the New Testament. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That he's placed his spirit, he's sealed us with his spirit. There is a permanence of this relationship. And it, and. It's not a relationship that's casual. It's a relationship that's intimate. And it invades our life. It does. And there are times when it's uncomfortable. And there are, but it, it is incredibly fruitful. This relationship with God, really, with the eternal God, we are limited, we are tainted, soiled in many ways from a life 
living without God, making choices apart from God. But God has placed his spirit in us now. And although we live in the earthy man (laughs) and the heavenly man, live both together in this mortal body for now, though our identity is now that heavenly man, that new man, and this old will pass away eventually. But that dogmatism, and I, I love that, attitude, not only in principle about how God deals with us, but how we deal with each other, and how we deal with those in our life that are influential, that are that are men of God, or they're, they're the people that have influenced us by their maturity, by their integrity, by their example. And we don't leave, and an amazing thing, and I think that's something that is lost on our present culture where marriage is not permanent in the culture where husbands and wives and relationships are disposable and we move on to the next one, the better one, hoping that this new one will work out and that it will be something different than it was before. That idea that we don't leave, we don't leave. And a man of God in in this dispensation is not a prophet, uh, a preacher an evangelist, a teacher, uh, someone walking with the Spirit of God in them, and they're walking in their call, they're walking as disciples. But they're flawed human beings. Here, Elijah is purposely testing Elisha. He's purposely kind of provoking him this way. He had cast this mantle on him at the very beginning when he saw him plowing in the fields. And this was a call that Elisha took up. He killed the oxen that he was using and fed them to the people and followed the man of God. Because he, it wasn't the man of God, it was it was the God of Elijah. It was his God. And he knew and grew in knowing this God, the God of Elijah. And he would not also abandon the man of God. And people need that today. You know, men are flawed. The preacher of the gospel is not a perfect man. But those that will stand by and say, I will not abandon this man because I will not abandon his God. And his God will never abandon me. And I'm going to stick around. And you know what? There's great reward in that. There was that time where it came to pass and Elijah asked what Elisha wanted. And because he was a man of God, he knew it wasn't within his power to give it. But boy, it was in his God's power to give it. And it was given. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com So today, the idea of this kind of relationship it may be foreign to you. This idea of discipleship. And that's really okay. The very first step is to receive Christ as your Savior, have you? If you haven't, Christ is the God of Elijah. And when you have him, you have all that you need, all that you'll ever need. Pray a prayer, something like this with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me. You died on a cross 2,000 years ago. You were buried and rose from the grave. No, I don't understand it. I want to have you as my God. Like many men before me, 
Come into my life. Cleanse me. Make me whole. And do wonderful things with me and all those people I come in contact with. And I pray these things and ask these things. Father, in Jesus' name, amen.